Okay, let's go. Oh, you did a bit of a um, band-aid kind of tap on your headphones there, I saw. Yeah. Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Oh. <laughs> nice. Are we recording or...? Uh, is it, are you that pissed off that I might be editing, eating into our recording time with such... Um, well, I'm just worried that we, we've got we've got quite a healthy number of listeners now. Yeah. And Don't I think... Push them away. No. All right, no enough. disrespect. No, no, no. Basically, AK, shut up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And ready to have a cracking show this week. We've got um, quite a few interesting, little quirky... Uh, plans for you today we have we are doing a pivot which i think businesses are doing a lot Mm -hmm. right now due to covid uh, and trying a few different things as ways to engage new audiences that we hadn't reached before does that mean we're sort of disruptors in our i would i would certainly like to think so jb i mean um you know we are the definition of 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 open mindset as opposed to fixed mindset so Indeed. Um, well, I'm glad that we got our last podcast off our chest because the listeners might remember last week we got aroused and we covered how arousal actually can be very useful uh, as a way of thinking about uh, your employees. You know, are they sufficiently aroused? Are you sufficiently aroused? Always when we're on a podcast together, JB. No, I was thinking about the CEO in oh. his leadership. But no, no, no. But so I'm aroused. And I think it's a good word, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's a good way to start off a a town hall or a, you know. <laughs> really? How, how are we feeling today? Are we all aroused? Yay! Yeah. Mm. Nice. Um, <laughs> before we get into the thrust of our episode, and so, by the way, before we, uh, we, we we're going to um, get into it in a second, which this week we are going to look at news around the world that's relevant to leaders and discuss those topics. Um, and we've got some really interesting articles to discuss. However, um, it wouldn't be right that we commence our podcast recording without an update on JB's shed and my onward house purchase. JB, oh, you're first. right. Okay, well, I'll be brief because I don't want to bore the listeners with my shed. But um, the, the roof is now on and uh, we, are, we are safe from the elements. But the final bit is actually happening after this podcast. I'm putting the corrugated uh, roof on top of this. uh, I've got a a special layer uh, that means I'm waterproof already, but this corrugated thing will be the the final thing for the roof, and then that's happening. And then the electrician comes tomorrow uh, and uh, puts some wiring in. And I've got the doors. uh, I've got got paint for the doors. I mean, we're getting we're getting seriously yep. into the final yeah. final hurdle now. We, 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 we've crossed the line, really. This is very exciting, JB. Very exciting. Uh, um, tell yeah. us, tell us about um, the end of your nomadic lifestyle. Hopefully, ca- happening soon. Well, yes, we have what you would like to call certainty and uncertain times. We um, yesterday exchanged contracts on our house. Yay! And we get the keys on the 13th. Not a Friday, and I'm happy that 13 is unlucky for some, but in our case, it's good luck. So yeah, get the keys next week, and uh, we will do a little bit of tinkering around the edges, not to make it fall over uh, before we move in, because we're obviously in this rental at the minute, and then we will move in the week after. 
So you're doing a simultaneous exchange and completion, as they say in the trade? Um, it, it's, there's only 10 days. We've exchanged yesterday okay. and we complete yeah. um, in nine days, I think it is. So, yeah, it's um, it's good news. And, and I think, therefore, there will only be... Actually, no, there'll be a few more recordings here because I intend to work in the rented house until our lease is up to make use of the space. And also the fact that whilst the kids are on holidays, um, I don't have them tapping on the glass. <laughs> amongst other things so. so you're going to have an entire house to yourself yes my sister-in-law is also going to use the space as an office as well so we're going to use it as our as our effectively our um ver our own workspace um that yeah. sounds brilliant how long will you have that that is that the, to sort of for a few weeks october or? so two months <coughs> blimey we could yeah. have some parties there <clears throat> we could we could i think the neighbors might be up for that too um but uh, anyway yes we're all very relieved as you can and in fact i'm sure the listeners are because actually what will i have to talk about in fact what will we have to talk about when your shed is constructed and my house purchase is complete nothing well then we'll start talking about what i'm actually doing in my shed well true but anyway yeah and, and maybe i can tell everybody what i'm going to be doing in my new house um, well there you go yeah so nice that'll be good um, so we haven't done it in this format before, dear listeners. Um, but in a second, I'm going to go to JB and say, JB, which article should we talk about first then in the news this week? But um, well, that, That's good. That's yeah, good. Oh. That's, that's my preamble. So uh, the, the other thing we obviously are going to do as ever at the end of this episode is go to listeners questions. I will log into the inbox live and fingers crossed there's some questions in there. Otherwise, it might be quite awkward if we have none but if you do have any questions do submit them to uh, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com find us on social media we are on linkedin i keep meaning to set us up a um instagram and facebook but i'm not exactly um cool and down with the kids enough to do such things but that's how you can get in touch with us jb over to you um so because I like to do a little bit of preparation for these. It may not sound it to to the listeners, but uh, I I quite like to do a little bit of preparation for these uh, podcasts. And on my phone, I've got all of the articles that we are going to be talking about. As as and you can assume Ant has got all of that already because he's like that. And anyway, he sent me an article uh, in. It was actually from uh, a. a UK newspaper group. Um, it's called The Guardian. And he sent me this thing called um, We Don't Feel Pressure to Go Back. England's firms in no hurry to resume office life. And it's from the business section of The Guardian. And uh, it, it's actually, I know it's about England, but I'm pretty sure, and I know actually, that this is uh, something that's happening around the world. So I don't mind really just focusing on on this as our starting point and because i think it's quite interesting yeah about you know some people going back some n not and what's happening in the workplace when those things are happening so, so this, should we start with that yeah so this is an article by molly blackhall in the guardian um and is this the one we're in the same article here? Yeah, yeah yeah cool um and and essentially um and and i think when i talk to businesses and counterparts in other organizations there there is a general view um that this is now becoming the new norm there is huge amounts of anxiety about whether it's safe to go back to the um to the office or not um and i think coronavirus has forced organizations to test remote working when previously they wouldn't have done so 
Um, and it, it seems that the government in the UK especially are actively encouraging us to get people back into offices. And I think mainly it's probably to try and help these city centre economies, the, 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 the kind of the sector that supports those workers whilst they're there on a working day, card shops, convenience stores, sandwich and cafes and things to survive. Because I'm pretty sure the square mile in London from what I understand, has been a ghost town for the last, um, the last well, five, six months now. So um, <clears throat> it, it's a really interesting one. And I have to say, personally, I've worked from home for years. And it, 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 it once you're over that initial, oh, goodness, I'm alone, I'm a bit isolated, and you find that rhythm, I suspect it's, it's going to be, this is now the new norm, and I think businesses are going to have a massive issue. It does seem to me quite a, a contradiction for this government to have to to deal with and i'm sure governments around the world who on the one hand are championing the economy uh, which which means that you need to get people back into offices and i think there's a whole bigger picture about that which is you know a lot of pension funds actually own the big offices own own the own the streets, um, and you know they they will be petrified uh, at the moment. Um, you know, for example, you know, big pension company Prudential owns an awful lot of, of you know real estate, uh, and you know they they need to be paid for those leases. Mm. And uh, you know, so if there's a a, a walk away uh, from from that, it's going to affect economies. In a, in a big way and so you know you've got that on the one hand uh, and then on the other you've got people actually thinking do you know what we could save a boatload of money uh, by not putting our uh, people into these really expensive you know chunks of real estate we can invest that uh, in other areas of our business probably to employ more people uh, or employ them better mm. so you know what a what an uh, so in the short term the 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 music uh from governments uh around the world i think is to is to get people back to work you know we uh, lunch is over we we're, we're going back in now uh i heard the other day i think <laughs> you know heard a politician saying that and so uh, you know it's it's one hell of a one hell of a dilemma and it does create this kind of weird uncertainty and those who are going back to work uh, I would imagine them being, you know, if they've enjoyed the, the freedom and the flexibility uh, and the productivity that comes from working from home. And you and I know mm. uh, that we can be exceptionally productive uh, doing that. Then they're forced to be one of those to go back in. I think that's going to be a little bit of a tinderbox for the next few months, possibly years. I think there's... there's um a challenge for leaders at the moment on a whole host of fronts because you will no doubt have some company-wide guidance issued to you in larger organizations if you are a smaller organization maybe this decision sits with you um, and as JB mentions I think we've proven the concept now that we can work successfully remotely the the, the question is if you're in a bigger organization and as a line manager and there are other teams going in to the office. Um, what's your message to your people? If there is a company-wide brief telling you that you 
um, are now at your discretion deciding if and when your people need to come into the office. That's a great thing. But I guess as a business, I'm, I'm interested to know what JB's thoughts are. JB, what, what would you do if you were a business chief executive right now that has this, this choice to make? You know, how would you structure it? Would you, you know, and, and if you did make savings, um, when and where would you reinvest those savings? Well, uh, it's a little bit hypothetical, but yeah. I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, and you know, I would. I, I, it, it's the it's the communication at the front end that's important. Why are we doing this? You know, what what what's the benefit here? And if we are looking at it as a cost saving exercise to reinvest, then we need to be bloody transparent about that. And I would want to be transparent. Uh, I would. I think I'd have um, one box called productivity in my communication. Uh, another box called. I don't know. I don't. I'm not very keen on the word efficiency. But anyway, we'll call it efficiency. Um, cost savings. To be blunt. To be absolutely clear about it. Mm. And in times like this, I think sometimes it is necessary to be very clear that this business will only survive if we get rid of. Uh, 20 to 30 percent of the workforce we have no choice um, and we're going to consult you from this day about uh, the reason for it and how we're going to do it and how that is going to roll out over the next three to six months I think that people are entitled to that level of openness about this situation um, another box of course is COVID itself Mm. and our measures to manage the risk. And I, one of the CEOs actually in that article uh, talked about it in terms of risk uh, of putting our people back into to the workplace. Yeah. And, you know, there is a risk that we, we have too many people in too small a space. So we have to uh, separate uh, some of our workforce anyway into working from home and some of them going in so that we use what we have available to us uh, effectively. Um, so being a great believer in the, the value of uh, our people and their, their impact and productivity, uh, you, you know, such a, such a primary part of a successful business, my, my goal would be to again be transparent about in time not not necessarily insensitively but my my goal would be to improve the lives of those who remain in the organization uh, as much as much as I can hmm. and if with those savings I would want to plow as much of that back in and there was some very interesting things that I've been reading re recently uh, as well about you know, stress and well-being, and I think there's another article that you sent that chimes with that, uh, which is, you know, how you invest in your people's well-being, yeah. uh, and um, you know that that I would I would want to make sure that I was doing everything I could to invest in that area. But again, I think I would be sensitive about how I I promoted that. Because there's a time and a place to say the remainers, those who stay, um, this this will be our our effort. This is this is something that I would want to get behind. 
It, 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 it's a, it is a tricky one. And I think, J- JB, you, you mentioned something really quite difficult for chief executives to make the decision. And I think COVID itself is providing so much unpredictability that to immediately jump up, I would forgive a chief executive, my chief executive today, <clears throat> saying I'm unwilling to um, redeploy that investment just now. If I announce today I'm closing all the offices and we're going to do a remote workforce and, and things, then then <clears throat> that's great. I think I would, as a chief executive or a managing director, wants to be transparent about the fact that I'm not going to redeploy that money just yet because actually those savings may be critical to protect jobs. Um, as opposed to, um, you know, I'm going to give it as a as a home working allowance, or I'm going to um, offer everybody a pay rise, um, and so on. I think there is a real balancing act right now, and I, and I don't know about you, JB, but I'm pretty certain, unfortunately, that we it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I'm, you know, I've got this horrible feeling that we are just at the foothills of a pretty tough financial period for many businesses. And the unpredictability of it, I think, especially in the UK, as an example, last Friday, 12 hours before certain venues were due to reopen, the country applied the brakes, I think was the term used by our prime minister at the time, um, to opening up the country again. And with that unpredictability, why would any business want to make any long term commitments until they have certainty that we have a vaccine or, or something else? It's it's really tricky, um, and I think um, as JB mentions, there is a second article that we've shared um, from the People Management website um, by a lady called Louise Abs, which talks about employees needing to restore their workforce's mental well-being. Um, really interesting article, um, and it talks essentially about normalising anxiety um, and being a bit more caring as an organisation, and critically, if you if you <laughs> If, if it's not too late, trying to catch people before they fall. <clears throat> and I think we, we've talked about this recently on, on previous episodes that mental health, I think, is going to be a massive knock-on effect of COVID, um, working remotely, um, being isolated, not having the ability to look people in the eye and get frequent feedback. And it, it's, a, it's a really sensitive topic right now, isn't it? It, it really is. And it, it, it crosses into... Um so many articles that we're referring to but uh so you know if you've got an extrovert in the office uh a year ago and now they're stuck at home we you know that's not going to be the most ideal environment for someone who actually really does enjoy uh you know working working with people and dare i say it you know showing off a bit and (laughs) uh you know what I think one of the one of the um, points um, made in that article uh, is that you know some people are really finding it uh, very difficult working from home. It is not an in, it's not an ideal situation for them, and their productivity is not not great. Uh, and this this particular CEO, uh, you know, and I'm I'm quoting him, not me, said it's actually for the young younger members of his team uh it has it has had a detrimental effect on their productivity and they're finding it difficult to focus um and so there are there are groups of people uh who will actually be affected by this in a in a detrimental way and will feel cut off they'll feel like a a, a satellite 
So to, to quote some statistics from the article, um, Charity Mind, um, which is a mental health charity in the UK, um, reported that one in five or 22% of people that have had no previous mental health conditions have now suggested their mental health is now poor or very poor. Two thirds, 65% of people that had pre-existing mental health problems have said that it's now got worse as a result of the crisis, working remotely and being isolated. Um, and this is this is the challenge, isn't it? And and for businesses, it's a bit like uh, I mean I, I don't want to make it sound too corporate, JB, but you and I have referenced a few times the book uh, Relax. It's only uncertainty, but this article makes similar references to normalising anxiety in the workplace. And actually, thirty-seven percent of people, according to the ONS, um, do now suffer from high levels of anxiety, which is a general feeling of unease associated with symptoms such as feeling sick to your stomach. Um, pounding heart and trembling fatigue yeah I guess there's some CEOs still in the world who would look at that and go yada 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 yeah and if you they know, do the, if they do shame on them I think I think you know I do feel that this has accelerated uh, their departure uh, from from the world of business I think I, I think that the, the new world order uh accelerated by covid will mean that uh those approaches and those attitudes uh really will will be kicked out because it is so important uh for leaders and managers uh to to care about their people to 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 actively demonstrate uh that they care it is it is one of the the central uh, core components of building trust in an organization and my god if you're working through uncertainty uncertain times and you've got people in all parts of the world working from home and some in offices that your trust levels have got to be right up there Completely. and if your managers are not demonstrating uh, caring and, and a lot of that is about listening uh having spectacularly brilliant conversations uh where you are focused on helping people to increase their control i know we've covered it before but i don't mind doing it again because it's so important these times of uncertainty we want to reduce those uncertainties as much as we can in the minds of our employees and working on that in regular good conversation providing the support necessary um and wherever possible uh reducing the pressure that isn't great uh for those people increasing pressure where they want it yeah uh, but reducing pressure where they don't and listening those to last week's episode essential i think last, yeah yeah that, that has some feature of that so I think in terms of creating a caring culture, JB, it's funny, isn't it? We uh, it, we know the other articles that we've read in readiness for this one, and you could probably put them all together quite nicely. Um, but caring culture, I think, is going to start with communication, which we'll talk about later in terms of its its own need right now and another article. However, I think um, showing more humility and a more of a human side can pay massive dividends for companies' colleague engagement right now. Um, I think as we now realise this is the new norm and we are going to be in this for the long term, this is not a V-shaped recovery. As well. well, it might be a V, but the downward V versus the upward V are going to be very different angles. I think we, 
if you haven't done so already, you need to call the elephant in the room that this is a tough period for everybody. I think as we've referenced in the discussion we've had already on this episode, um, people are feeling stressed, people are feeling isolated, people don't want to return to main offices, uh, but that of course presents its own complications. We have to, as leaders, acknowledge the reality of working remotely and the impact it has on our family lives in terms of fatigue, as in working, waking up at 7.30 in the morning and I'm at work and I go to sleep at work. And there is a very blurred line. In fact, I was making a comment to one of my friends yesterday on the phone. I said the biggest thing I've struggled with, with having such a prolonged period at home, is that inability to switch off from one before switching on to another. In other words, I would leave my I leave my home office and walk into chaos of three crazy kids um, running around the house. And there isn't that commute time to compartmentalize the day and shut it off and mentally prepare for what you're about to walk into at home. I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be really honest. I, I, I've been holding quite a lot of uh, kind of tension inside me during uh, lockdown. And I didn't even know I didn't realize just there were there were some things that were really niggling me uh and we hey you know I, my wife and i have a, a fantastic life and we love each other massively um but there were certain things when you when you live with someone for a very long time it's, it's like living in a caravan for yeah. four months and uh so it it was a dishwasher explosion i the, the dishwasher must be such a great place for people to lose it um i, I don't know how many people are divorced over a dishwasher We've had some run-ins, that's for sure. But do you know, it is, it's such a, it's such, so putting things in and taking them out and who takes it in, who takes it out and who puts it in and someone's slacking and someone isn't, and this person's not You didn't rinse, weight. you didn't yeah, rinse. Yeah, you didn't rinse. Um, and, and they need to pull their weight more as well, not just us, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it absolutely kicked off. We had this fantastic, it was a brilliant explosion actually. Um, and um, we talked about a load of stuff and I, the reason I'm saying that is because I like that line of yours that you, you were quoting, obviously, um, catching people before they fall. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not about to have a, a mental breakdown because someone put the glass upside down in the dishwasher, but... Um, I bloody well will. <laughs> it, 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 um, it, I think there are things like that that you know pe people are carrying loads of stuff yeah and you know fortunately this is a stupid dishwasher and it's not a big deal Def but, deflate before it explodes yeah in a, in a workplace the equivalent much much bigger equivalent like you know having a great big row with a client or just losing your shit uh in the office with someone who really doesn't deserve it uh, yeah. I, I think that would be a kind of tragic thing. So I, I really like that line of catching people before they fall. It's a really good one. And, and I think as a people manager listening to the podcast, the, the challenge you and I have, and JB, as people leaders, is identifying when there is a risk of a fall and working out how best to, to tackle it um, comfortably. Um, and whether that is through... Um, virtual coffee breaks where you literally say right guys I've got half an hour free now I'm going into a, a meeting room here's the link if you want to join me I'm literally going to be on there 
reading the paper but if you want to join me for a chat why not you know that i've heard is very popular for a few businesses and leaders i've been talking to recently others can be a bit more of a direct approach with those individuals how are you no how are you really you know not not the british how are you yeah yeah good good when actually your cat's just been run over you know that's that's not good yeah. but you, um and and you know there is something to be said i think i was i've got a good work friend of mine who um who often apologizes he said i've spent the last 15 minutes ranting at you I said, but that's good. You need to do that. If you don't rant, you bottle it up and it becomes worse. Um, and so I've been guilty in the past of, of bottling it up. And then when you do let go, you flip and go nuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, you come across as unhinged, which is not the right thing to do. So I would say as, as a leader, we owe it to all of our people to make ourselves available for non-performance conversations as much as possible to do that catching before you fall is, is my thought anyway. I think those uh, you make a good point there and about uh, the value of the the, the formal uh, communication, the formal conversation, um, but equally important and in my opinion more so uh, is the is the sort of casual collision uh, in the corridor like that one and you know just keeping those things going and uh, I'll ask you, Anne. You know, when you when I say casual collision, you know, I I can immediately think of many times that I've bumped into people in a corridor, or we're making coffee together, or heaven forbid, in the old days, having a fag out the back. Um, <laughs> they were and great. Just chat. They were great. Yeah, that you know that was such a great way for me to talk to people. Um, just going having a fag out the back with everybody and just um, you know just it's almost like a sort of gossiping style, which sounds terrible. But it wasn't really, you know, they'd be able to say, you know, JB, there's something you need to know. There's a there's a problem brewing with, with this. I just thought I'd drop it in, just oh thank you for that. It's really useful to know. I'll have a have a chat and see where that goes. You know, that how do we how do we get that to happen in the virtual world? <laughs> I was gonna ask you the same blinking question. Ah, got you. Um so uh, m- my view is I think I, I referenced it a second ago by being deliberately available i mean by the way i love the the i love the 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 phrase casual collisions i think that's a really helpful thing and i think sometimes the randomness will help i think it's almost seen as um unexpected acts of kindness so in a virtual world yeah i i guess it's it's uh, making time in your calendar when you are going to just ring up somebody and actually and i do and i, I this is something i've said on previous episodes and i've said it in my domestic life as well i think we've become so obsessed with messaging culture you know whatsapp facebook text messages amongst other things and i think um we really need to pick up the phone or that video call more regularly and i think as a leader you make time to um to set up casual collisions as jb calls it so actually on a friday morning why not in your calendar, schedule time to call two or three people, but don't tell them that you're going to call them. Um, now, don't get me wrong, I don't want you to then make those people think you're watching them closely because you're just randomly calling them to check in. But actually, it may have a much wider benefit of them. Hey, do you know what? I just thought I'd give you a call, JB. See how you're doing. Um, how's your week been? And, and and kick it off like that. How's the family? How's the house purchase? How's the shed coming along? As you and me do. And in fact, actually, yeah. if you look at our chat history, um, we actually don't have many paragraphs of text from one month to another because you and I habitually speak and communicate either with camera or without. 
And I think whilst we don't necessarily have situations that may raise our work pressures, other than how many downloads we've had, um, the the reality is, is that we have a good relationship. And actually, we've been fortunate in our last few years of spending so much time together that I think because we communicate openly, I think that those casual collisions don't need to happen. But in a virtual world, I think we've adapted because you know we've not when did we last see each other physically face to face blimey it's a good question isn't it february january february yeah of course yeah yeah so channel islands yeah Yeah. and but if i was to see you now um i doubt there would be any difference because we've had that 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 face-to-face connection so i my, my my guidance would be create opportunities for casual collisions it's your responsibility as a leader to help catch people before they fall by these casual collisions. Set them up in your calendar, not necessarily theirs, but the purpose of your contact to them is absolutely not performance related. Frame it in that way. Just wanted to check in with you. Like it. Well, this fits in with a with a with an article that I found in The Entrepreneur. Which is a great little place to go, by the way. It is. Um, I found one as well, actually, you know, for later, but carry on. Yeah, not not just for, you know, um, entrepreneurs in a sort of SME uh, or mid-cap company. Uh, I think this is good guidance for, for global organisations as well. Great place to go. It's called The Entrepreneur. Anyway, I found in there uh, how, to, how to talk to your team. And... Uh, it's in a crisis, keeping your staff informed and inspired is a complicated but necessary task. There's a guy called um, Sudhish Nair, and uh, he has some very, very interesting points about being a leader through these uncertain times. And his first point, which I think echoes what we've just been talking about, is just be accessible as a leader and he's got um, this idea uh, of creating this sort of virtual coffee place um, and he calls these AMAs and uh, that's ask me uh, or tell me anything so in those moments he's like Ant was saying you know he's um, kind of making himself available for half an hour to an hour anyone can join um, he refers to it as his virtual coffee place. Just be there, and you know someone just might turn up or six, and you might glean. It reminds me of the kind of fag break thing, and and just having a good, uh, relaxed conversation uh, with people. So he's got a real thing uh, about focusing on that conversation. AMTA, uh, he calls it. Ask ask me, or tell me anything. I thought that was really good. good. So he he puts that next to his name on his emails and everything else to show this is the kind of guy he is. Hmm. Uh, AMTA, ask me or tell me anything. Um, he says create a, a, a structure and stick to it. So structured communication is extremely important. Um, so, you know, that has always been something that people don't focus. They don't prepare and plan those structured communications. This mm. isn't the casual collision stuff. Uh, this is where I need to get uh, the messages across. I've got three boxes that I need to communicate. One is COVID, 
one is productivity and one is efficiency and I'm going to link them all together and have a really good conversation about these three things and where the business is right now uh and it's so, funny you know, it's funny isn't it you've got um you've got these probably leaders that may be listening to this podcast who have previously heavily relied upon those casual collisions to get conversations done because they either will avoid conflict or they are not particularly good at the the small talk um but you're, you're right i think without the structure in a remote world if you don't organize yourself and stick to it you don't give those opportunities to people to have those casual collisions as you refer yeah so this guy Nair uh, he goes further and this again links back to this acknowledgement of stress stress and pressure um, so he he's saying acknowledge it raise it talk about it and uh, he, he 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 provides free subscription to yoga and meditation apps um and again you know i think this is where old school leaders are going to struggle with that you know some people on this podcast might even think oh my god yeah um you know this is kind of tree hugging shit <laughs> um but i i think millennials and people coming up through the ranks uh now and over the next 10 to 20 years are going to be demanding uh the opportunity to do this um and to you know, have their stress acknowledged more effectively uh, within the workplace. Um, and, you know, that holistic approach is going to be vital if we are to build trust and get us through these uncertain times. Um, and his his final point, uh, which you and, Ant, you and I, Ant, we talk about this a lot, is, is giving employees a voice, uh, giving them the opportunity uh, to say what they need to say. He uses a thing called Office Vibe. Have you heard of that? No. Um, this is uh, Office Vibe is where the executive team um, can get anonymous feedback uh, from all employees across the company. Uh, they can uh, voice their concerns or complaints uh, without attaching their name to it. And that's fed directly into that um, leadership team. Um, and that kind of feedback is critical. Yeah. So I think the old model, the old model was in a crisis, uh, the senior leadership team um, would take control and decide what was going to happen in the company. And they would do the one way uh, communication of, you know, this is the way things are going to be around here from now um, and that that creates uh, some dangers some risks uh, communication risks some cultural risks uh, if you're not up for having feedback coming back up if you're not uh, focusing on your casual uh, collisions uh, and encouraging your managers to make sure those things happen if you haven't built a caring culture uh, and your people don't think you care, uh, you're in trouble. You're not going to get through this. And so I think I think that little piece is 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 really useful. Just very simple, very clear guidance. This is one ga one guy's way of handling it, and and he's handling it really well. To those dinosaur leaders that probably unfortunately don't even listen to this podcast, but maybe listeners may know one or two of them. 
Um, this is going to be a real test for those leaders as to whether they are a fixed mindset individual or a dynamic mindset individual. If they don't adapt to do and adopt more of the people agenda within their management of the business, they will be outed much quicker than if they understand the importance of engaging their people to bring it forward. JB's made reference to a quote a few times on previous episodes, which is <clears throat> doing what's right for the business and doing what's right for the people. And I think this is going to be a huge test on all leaders to see where you sit on that pendulum. Do you sit focused on business? Do you sit on people? And arguably, sometimes you could be too much on people and forgetting the business. There is absolutely a balance. But I think more now than anything, you as leaders will be judged on the capability of your ability to look after your people. I think um, some there may, there may be some merit in in revisiting the balance scorecard uh, of um, of business and just thinking about the balance scorecard, uh, which is a thing. And I I think there's some merit. In adding to it, uh, you know, the post-COVID uh, things that we need to do uh, to build build trust with our teams and to make sure that uh, we, we get it right in doing what's right for the people, uh, which includes caring and, and trust. Very, very important. And I was going to ask you uh, about your views and I know this is a bit of a hypothetical as well, but it's, it can, can be quite interesting to think about how this is all going to look in about three years' time. Do you know what? It's a really good question. It's such a good question. I, and, and I don't know about you, I'm, I'm struggling to picture it. And actually, I was, I was thinking about um, this because there was another article which I, I'm not referencing today um, which I read in readiness for our, our pod recording today. And it talked about, um, in fact, I think it, it might even be referenced in the Relax It's Uncertainty book, yeah, yeah. which, which is um, showing excitement for a future vision. So in, in thinking about that, um, and, and I think people that know me and you know me, JB, I like to try and excite people to bring them along. That's how I tend to sell stuff. Um, to my people is to excite them about the future state um, and I think there is a a pivotal moment for businesses right now to recognize where they um, see themselves and if they are in a sector that's badly hit by this pandemic we are currently I believe still in the middle of <clears throat> um, you got to find a new way to excite people um, with a new vision. And I think the vision that I see in three to four years is a very different world. It is a world with a lot more shared workspace, a lot more intentional travel to locations to network, but not necessarily work. Um, and I see head offices being a fraction of the size that they once were. Um, and, and I think the virtual world of working is, is going to be pretty big in the future. And for some leaders right now, that is going to 
filled them with absolute dread because they've been and and look i've been on email threads uh, in organizations that i am working in and work with where you know those old school leaders are absolutely pushing that they've read the articles so they're playing on the weaknesses of working remotely to their advantage to say mental health struggling i'm struggling my people need some structure i want them back in the office this is unacceptable they're not allowing them back into the office um and i and i do think that in three years time those people will either be silenced probably rightly or they won't be in the business anymore so i think as a as a as a horizon to look at a vision for the future i think we will be a much more remote workforce i think um, organized events are going to be very different to how we see them now um, and I think virtual is a is going to be the big thing personally what about you if I uh, answered I your d- question correctly apology if I yeah no I agree I agree uh, wholeheartedly with what you're you're saying and I I think companies will probably have satellites uh, around the you know global companies will will have satellites um, but I doubt that they will be as big as, uh, you know, their offices now. And uh, I think the, the customers will be used to being sold to virtually. And I I imagine, I don't know, it's slightly going off at a tangent, but I, I imagine the high street will be something very different Mm. Uh, to what it is now, maybe, maybe it might take a little bit longer, but three to five years, uh, I would imagine a transformation of uh, uh, the beginnings of a transformation of the high street, uh, because you, the World Health Authority, the World Health Organization, uh, don't really recognise the term second wave. Uh, they just recognise that this is a global pandemic. And you, there's no such thing as a second wave. This is this is just gonna keep coming at us unless we are able uh, to find the the antibody uh, to 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 deal with it. So you know this this is part of um, a globalized world. This is part of uh, an a, you know I, I, whatever anyone's view is about climate change. Uh, our our environment uh it, we are designing our environment um so that the conditions are are rife uh, for global pandemics and don't take my word for it this is stuff that i you know you can go on google and and read some very very interesting articles on the subject so you know we have to we have to prepare for that uh, i think there is there is no normal we ha- we will not reach a new normal mm. Uh, the idea of going back to normal or finding a new normal, forget it. It's not going to happen. Uh, from here on in, uh, we are we are in a no normal world. And to me, and it sounds disturbing, but to me, that's the exciting thing. Uh, so if you've got a team of people and you prepare them for a no normal world, uh, then you are equipped to operate virtually, uh, you are equipped uh, to operate tactically, very tactically, uh, and also to know roughly what that distant shore is that you're aiming for, but knowing damn well 
uh, the, the, the currents and the route to get there are going to be changing all the time. Technology will change over the next three to five years. You know, we, we virtual communications, we talk about it as virtual comms these days. I'm sure it'll be called something else in three to five years. Uh, and you and I will be operating on very different platforms uh, and it will be a hell of a lot more efficient than it is today. You know, I think where I think we're at the foothills of, of, of virtual technology, frankly, uh, it'll be a lot lot more efficient and and more capable. Yeah, that's sort of roughly where my head is at the moment on the subject. It 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 it, it must be quite scary for some people listening to this, thinking you know how can it evolve any further? It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes if you really <clears throat> reflect you think surely there's no more evolution that can happen we have all of the technology we need at our hands um the the technology we have in hand now isn't is is fit for the future um and that i i have to agree with what you said earlier this excites me i think um mm. the, the 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 people that enjoy and embrace the no normal are the ones that are going to thrive over the next three to five years <clears throat> excuse me the ones that can adapt quickly um, and i think you're right i think we are going to be working much more tactically um than strategically for a, for a while now and mm. it's those leaders that can adapt to be more tactical versus strategic i think that will that will also do well um and and interestingly that then leads on to um the next article which i wanted to bring to our discussion forefront which is another article by the entrepreneur as jb says i would highly recommend it it's got some really good articles in there that it's not just targeted entrepreneurs <clears throat> but it, it essentially talks about um the change of guard in the workplace <clears throat> and effectively what it's referencing is that millennials in the next five years are going to revert are going to do a complete swap with the baby boomers so the baby boomers to you and i listening today are those people in their late 50s 60s and early 70s and they ultimately i'm smirking at jb because... you are so mean <laughs> well you're you're, you're gen you're, what gen are you you're not baby boomer are you how rude Anyway, um, um, oh, I well, uh, see. I, I, I'm under fifty. I'm not over seventy. Exactly. So I, I think yeah. you're Gen X. So um, I, yeah. I am Gen. I, in fact, no. You see, that's the thing. I'm right on the cusp of of Gen X and Millennial. I think. Anyway, I digress. Or I'm Gen a young baby boomer. Right. If there's such a thing. And and I'm sure, therefore, JB will, will reflect on the school people in the years above him now, who, who are maybe currently sitting in executive positions that within five years they will no longer be in those positions and those people are going to be replaced with millennials um and i think that feeds in nicely to, to to jb's point on a on the previous article which is these dinosaurs will disappear and these more people focused people will all of a sudden become much more involved in a strategic direction of business embracing the environment embracing people before profits amongst other things but effectively this article goes on to say that within five years millennials will account for 75 percent of the american workforce it's, it's a u.s-based article this one um and <clears throat> you know the the decline in certain industries napkins cable tv razors <laughs> um golf 
um, are all markets and industries that that may suffer as a result of it. Um, but ultimately, it's talking about millennials taking charge of the world and therefore tacking the world's interests into industries in which they see more relevant for the future world. Um, and it's it's a really interesting article. But I was, I was wondering, JB, um, what your immediate reaction is to a millennial leading a business versus a baby boomer now? I think we've already answered in previous questions in previous articles, but hey-ho. I, to me, I, I am massively excited by the opportunities, possibilities that come with um, millennials now. Uh, I think, you know, let's let's move on from, you know, the old tired uh, models of of control and command and dare I say it an an absolute single-minded focus on um, shareholder value and dividend flow there I've said it I you know I think I think the world has to be a bigger place than a short-term objective to increase shareholder value and dividend flow we need to we need to move on from this guys yeah in our communication uh, you know, I used to work for a company uh, where, you know, as senior execs, we were told to go out and sell sell the idea of a five pound share price, and get everyone excited about it. I I fell out massively uh, with the finance director over that point because I said I can't do that um, because I know people, um, you know. Uh, uh, you know, in the back room on the ground floor, who are just going to just flick a V sign because that hasn't doesn't make sense to them. Yeah, agreed. do they actually give a shit about me? Uh, was w- would have been the response to that, and so uh, get rid of that now. Um, you know, we need to balance the scorecard uh, more effectively. Uh, we're doing what's right for the business and what's right for the people. This is your moment, millennials. Yeah, uh, you 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 also have. Uh, up your sleeve, don't you? Most fantastic ability uh, to use technology. The moment it arrives, you're updating that app. Uh, you're you're able to, you know, kind of operate things like that incredibly quickly. So, I, technology is yours. Um, the the flexible work life should be yours, and I hope you get it. And. Uh, to move away from the the stuckness that we've been in uh, for you know a century or more, uh, I I think th- there's something interesting to me about what's going on now. It's like the last wave uh, of nightmare politicians um, coming through the world, um, and <laughs> let's hope um, they're the last day. Let's hope because th- there is always a response. There is always a response uh, to these nightmares, and I'm hoping that well, the there truth, will be. Our North, uh, our North Korean leader is a millennial. Is he? I think so. How old is he actually? Um, let me see. Um, North. God, you know, googling this on your thing is one way to get your flags to IT. Isn't anyway, it? <laughs> uh, the point is that we do have some old duffers um, in in politics. Not you know, not uh, n- not universally, but I think. Um, yeah, he's a uh, millennial, thirty six. Right. Well, he's he should know better. 
Um, so I think there is a there is an opportunity to kick out some of the old farts and actually uh, get get going with some very exciting possibilities. Yeah, the no the no normal world. So this article um, was by a guy called Danny Beckett, and within the article, um, I think JB's touched on some of these points already. He talks about empathetic leadership, um, which I think we would agree the baby boomer leaders um, have perhaps an absence of. And and here's the thing, right? They were brought up um, through parents that had been through wars, and therefore the countries and world was a very lean, financially tight place. Um, And therefore... Um, having the spoils of a of a not wanting for much as a childhood um, isn't something that is natural to them. But unfortunately, when you're leading businesses, which may well be 75% millennials now, um, they need that style of, of empathy to support them. And actually what we're going through right now, um, even talking to my dad, who is a definite baby boomer, um, he, um, he, 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 even he understands this is pretty tough times for the world right now. And um, there's perhaps more empathy that on, on many things I've seen my dad be empathetic about based on that. But empathetic leadership, I think, is going to become a much more norm with the millennial leadership team running businesses. The other thing that he talks about in the article is, um, is flat and hierarchy. I think that is certainly yeah. the case. I think less layers... Um, you know, and I think you look at um, the likes of some of the big brands out there that we talk about, and I don't want to, the obvious choice is the likes of Apple. You know, it's a it's a very um, casual um, culture. Um, you never see a shirt and a tie at their executive level. Um, and the other big thing with this article, it makes reference to um, millennials being exposed to so much um, transformation, technological change. And therefore, they're perfectly comfortable to adapt more so than other generations to embracing, to your point, downloading an update to an app. Um, meanwhile, as di- me as a Gen X millennial cuspy person, um, I um, uh, am getting nervous about Excel updating itself that I'm going to struggle using it. But I then obviously have a MacBook and a PC so I can, you know, chop and change between the two. Um, so this millennial workforce are going to be, to, to the point that we were referring to in a previous discussion, are going to be much more adaptable to the changing world outside. They are going to be cool with um, uncertainty more so than the, perhaps the dinosaurs that currently may be dominant in a workforce. And it's a shame in some respects that these dinosaurs, God, I mean, we need to stop calling them the dinosaurs, otherwise we get accused of ageism, but... No, I like it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think we're talking about dinosaurs as in a soon-to-be-extinct group of people more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those dinosaurs that can actually learn to be more agile uh, are the ones that will perhaps still sit on boards um, into their retirement um, because actually they understand, they, they can call out some of the business stuff in a constructive way um, and I think those ones would be the ones that still thrive and survive um, but the millennials in workforces absolutely that I come across have adapted more so with the pandemic better than others um, and mental health issues aside isolation anxiety aside um, I think millennials will transform the landscape um, and incidentally, um, 
I'm, I'm being asked to speak at a, a virtual conference in a couple of weeks time um, and I was doing some research and readiness for it and it's funny isn't it that I think it's still only 13 years ago that you and I thought that Nokia Nokia was an unstoppable work a, a, a mobile phone manufacturer because 90% of the world had a Nokia phone and Nokia have disappeared since uh, yeah. because they weren't agile enough and you have to wonder whether those baby boomers um in that organization um, maybe didn't adapt enough and and now i have to almost say um are apple at risk of the same demise is another disruptor going to come along um and that's why if you don't embrace millennials in your workforce in your strategic planning in your leadership team you're at risk of having someone else come along and gobble up um your innovators will end up becoming your competitors if you don't embrace their their ideas hint hint yeah no i think that's right i I just want to clarify it i am a baby baby boomer i'm not i'm not well into you know of course i don't see myself as a dinosaur but if you see any signs of me being dinosaur like and will you please tell me of course of course yeah you've got more Uh, hair than me so that's impossible well on that subject you know i this has been fantastic because i've been stroking my beard a lot and when I'm stroking that beard, it's because I'm stimulated. Oh, aroused. I'm aroused. It's been, a, it's been a really interesting trip I think we've been on today. I agree. I agree. Should we go to some listener questions? Shall we? <clears throat> right. Now, this is, this is a big risk that we have no questions in the inbox, but let's go. I will, I will need to read them. Um, oh goodness, I'm getting pop-ups galore because I put my do not disturb on. Um, one second. I'm now logging in. I wonder if there'll be a question about my beard and how, how big is my beard going to go with this second attempt? Well, we have two questions. Okay. Um, I need to read them quickly. because I'm just padding with my beard there. Okay, yeah, please pad some more because I want to make sure that I, whether I can quote these people with the named or not because obviously the email name comes up and I don't want to quote them by accident. Well, I went to the uh, to Chloe uh, yesterday at Obsessions, which is my local hairdresser, and I haven't seen her uh, since lockdown. And uh, she had a massive great visor over her face, obviously to protect me from her sneezing and um spitting at me but um yeah what a what an extraordinary thing to have my hair cut you probably didn't you didn't even notice and you didn't even say anything about my my hair but anyway it is the, well it, the headphones act as a hair band okay in your defense yeah, or, in my defense okay. even sorry okay yeah. um i'm ready with the questions if unless you want to continue the dialogue on your beard well it was actually my hair my what's on my head um, just to have my so Chloe puts on the massage um, chair. Oh. Have you got? Yeah. Have you ever had that? It's really nice. So yeah. it just pummels away at my back, and then she just talks a load of old shit, really. But I love. She just Does she kind listen? of just. What? Does she listen? Not really. No. no I hope not. But she talks but a load just, of old, hi Chloe. You talk a load of old shit. But uh, uh, but it yeah. but it's really nice shit. And you know she'd be happy with me saying that. We we have a good relationship. We've built up a very good relationship. And I just I'm just lulled into a lovely lather on the on my head. Anyway, I'll stop talking about it now. <laughs> 
Um, so two two questions. One one um, <coughs> non leadershipy. The other one we've kind of answered in this episode, but I'll ask it anyway. So first question from Bev. Um, I was listening to some of your old episodes last oh, week, God. and you always had alcohol at hand, but your more recent ones you have not. What's oh. changed? Lol. Bev, you're on it. I don't know where she's and, from because it's an email. Yeah, uh, what's happened to you? Why um, aren't you? Do you know what? I think it's... Well, look, when we when we used to record these podcasts whilst travelling the world, and we would yeah. ordinarily do it in an evening with a beer in a hotel room or a bottle of wine. Um, yeah. But maybe we make a agreement that we record an episode in the next few weeks in an evening with alcohol and see what it does to, to download numbers. Damn fine idea. Um, I think we've got to put a stop to non-alcoholic... Um, podcasts. I think you know. I, I think there are other probably health warnings that we need to to give out that <laughs> alcohol is damaging, like smoking and drugs and everything else. Um, but uh, yeah, a little tipple now and again. Uh, I think would be a good idea. What would you, what should we go and get some nice wine? And we just sort of um, say what we're going to get, and then we'll give it a little go. Maybe if we're lucky, maybe a listener to the podcast happens to be an executive leader at a um, brewery, <laughs> a wine distillery, a wine distillery, and they can send us drinks. We can then, like, we can, you know, have a discussion about it during it. Well, today I'm. What, what are you trying, JB? Well, I'm trying a Merlot. Well, I'm trying a yeah. Sauvignon Blanc. Um, so any any um, vineyards leadership teams listening, um, or, send us your booze. Or any, yeah. yeah, or any suggestions on what wine we should be trying. Uh, generally, um, I don't like to spend more than kind of ten to fifteen quid on a bottle of wine. Ditto. Uh, what, what, in a euro, I think it's about you know ten or fifteen euro. Um, uh, and perhaps I'm a luddite, but uh, you know you can get a damn good bottle of wine between ten and fifteen quid yeah. and less. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But uh, anyway, we, so we'll 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 think about that. It's well observed, though. I think it's a good point. We need to we need to have a, the old podcast where we have a little tipple along the side, but not at this time of the day. I think the, the first the five, UK, it's about nine o'clock. First five or six, I believe we we did have a continuous flow of booze, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> and then um, whenever we've been remote, we have been doing it. Middle of the day yeah. or morning before your shed construction or whatever. Um, anyway, this next question, anonymous. Um, mm -hmm. uh, again, don't know location because it's coming on email. And I don't think there are any questions on our social media channels. So I can't then stalk them on LinkedIn to work out where they're from. Um, this question asks, um, I have a separate team in different countries around the world. And some of them are struggling more or less with the lockdown. What guidance would you give to me when I'm trying to address them all as one team? Well, ooh. I think we've we've pretty much covered that in this session, haven't we? I think we have. At the risk of repeating ourselves. I think if we, if I was to take a couple of, and again, I'm thinking out loud here because I've read it at the same time as I'm answering it, so I've not had a chance to really think it through. Um, I think it's articulating a future state of normality and it's something to be excited about that they can get rally around so forget about the things you can't control and try and drive their thinking towards uh an exciting place where they have consistency of control that's what i would i would probably suggest yeah. so forget you know it, there's so much inconsistency in i mean i've got a similar situation i've got um i think eight or nine different countries in my team 
and each one of them is at a different stage of, of, of lockdown. Some are going way into a second heavy lockdown. Others, um, you know, with exception of not traveling internationally, it's business as usual type of thing. And of course, that does create some um, some anxiety, frustration, disappointment. Um, so, you know, I think that that's probably my, my thought. Anything to add, JB? Your, your picture's gone, by the way. Oh, he's gone altogether. Lost you. No idea what happened there. Apologies. Weird. Just just shot off. Yeah. Um, where were we in the in the answer? Um, anyway, yeah. What, what, what's your thoughts? <laughs> well, uh, so I want to focus on that uh, the caring thing, and uh, you know, the, for me, caring. Uh, the agenda for that for the conversation is uh, increasing control, um, reducing uncertainty increasing support uh, and reducing pressure. If you can think of that as a, as a cracking agenda to have with that group of people, think of your words uh, about what you can control, what they can control, what they can't control. Um, but this is, this is about caring for your people. If, if, if you can focus on those four words and build your communication around that, uh, how to reduce the uncertainty the support part is team support. Um, everybody supports everyone else. Everybody gets a team around them. Uh, really think about how to communicate that to them. Uh, if you can imagine three boats setting off uh, towards a distant shore, uh, one of those boats has got a dinosaur running it um, at the helm, and it's going to—it's going to not—it's not even going to get out of the harbour because it's running on old models uh, and old ideas. Uh, and it hasn't reinvented its fixed mindset. It's stuck. Uh, so that one goes. The second boat, uh, this boat has got someone who uh, is going to try really hard um, and has, has got the, the management book on relax, it's only uncertainty. Um, but uh, uh, a team in that boat will pissing in. Boat rather than pissing out. Trust is not high. Uh, the leader has not built enough trust in the team. Um, and the, the, the final boat is the focus is about building a high trust team uh, to get to the distant shore. They know that it's a no, no normal world that they're dealing with. Uh, and that's what they're going to focus on being brilliant uh, at thriving in that no normal world to get to that distant shore. I, I think that boat is the one you want to build. Um, and But you will be competing with these other boats at various points. Someone hammering in the background, JB. Unfortunately, the next door neighbor's got some um, building work going on. So uh, he, that's just started happening. He's building a wall, ladies and gents, to stop J JB's <laughs> uh, shed, AKA second home from encroaching his space. <laughs> or her space um good well those are the questions for this week if you do have a question please send them into global leadership podcast at gmail.com or find us on our single social media channel linkedin where i think we're at six or seven followers now twitter lead learn pod again we probably don't promote our our social media effectively so maybe we do need to be doing a few more name checks we would also i think value your feedback on this episode um specifically because we've kind of aligned it to the articles of the week um, so with any hope um, that provides a bit more um, 
fluidity to the 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 subjects we cover each week jb what, what how do you think it went jb well as i say i was stroking my beard quite a lot which mm. is always a sign that i'm aroused so uh that's good indeed well um, I, I think on that lovely note plans for the week ahead mr bradley uh ooh, um well a bit of preparation for a webinar coming up and so bit of work there uh the front of my shed uh goes on towards the end of the week uh which is quite exciting and got people coming uh relatives coming on friday and then going off to see other relatives on sunday so yeah a, bit, a mixed bag of things what about you um, most probably preparing for the imminent move tomorrow. I have a date at Peppa Pig World. I think I mentioned oh, yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, for those that are listening outside the UK, you may have seen a cartoon called Peppa Pig, um, and there is a theme park in the south of England, um, which um, uh, is all about all rides themed around Peppa Pig. Um, so I'm taking my three boys, wife and sister-in-law, all going off for the day. Um, which will be a nice day trip out. And actually, hopefully, I think hopefully, I'll report back on next week's podcast. Um, because there is a limited capacity for social distancing, in theory, that means you should have a much more quiet experience at the park. So we'll see. I will be very very useful for you to give me some feedback on that because obviously I've got a granddaughter growing yes. um, and coming out uh, of a tummy near me soon. In fact, October. Yeah, the downside with uh, Peppa Pig World is, of course, it's typically preschool-aged children, which means that the summer holidays or otherwise, it, it tends to be consistent. So it may work to our advantage because those preschool-aged children avoid it. But then, of course, if they've got older siblings like um, uh, Daniel has, the nearly two-year-old, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting but tricky. So I'll report back and you can then get excited about you going to Peppa Pig World in a couple of years' time. I'm already quite excited about that. Aroused. Nice. That and Peppa Pig World. I'm not sure in the same sentence makes sense, but we'll leave that one there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, feel free to leave us a five-star review or tell us we're crap if we're not. And um, we once again will bid you farewell. It's goodbye for me. I've been Anthony Price. And I've been Jonathan Bradley. Thank you. Wow. There was no kind of part. Every episode... For the last 25 you've said and i've been jonathan bradley um emanating arousal across the world and nothing else couldn't be asked today no?